This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Baby, are you still down? Still down for me, baby, are you still down? Still down for me, baby, are you still down? Yo, what up? Paul Hickey here. Rolling into episode four of the podcast, broadcasting you live from the mean streets of Spring Hill, Tennessee on a Sunday. Got some real talk going. Being sarcastic about the mean streets of Spring Hill, we're talking about suburbia, USA, people. Very safe place to be. Very thankful to be in a safe place. Although... I did hear a siren going by a minute ago and it made me feel like I was walking through Manhattan, so I got a little pumped. But I'm spitting a little Tupac at the beginning of this one because it's a little mantra of mine after I get done with a tough client conversation about what clients really need to be doing with their digital marketing strategy to grow their business. As you know, there's a lot of stuff you can do out there to try to grow your business and it all kind of depends on what kind of business you have but for the most part the thesis is the same there's certain places where you need to be digitally and I'm gonna spit some of that game here coming up in the next segment but first I kinda wanna get on a soapbox of mine about the easy conversation with the client and the hard conversation with the client hence the theme are you still down for me now there's a lot of agencies out there and I've worked for them in the past But there's a lot of agencies out there that will basically take the easy sale. And they do this in one of two ways. They just listen to what the client wants. And even though it's wrong, they basically just say, yep, sign us up for that, we can do it. Then they don't do it at all because they don't really know how to do it. And they just charge the client as many months as they can out of them. And they they start that clock and they start sending those invoices real fast. Before you know it, you're about three to six months down the line. You don't even really know what that agency has done for you. You're getting bills. And that agency is just kind of like, yep, collect the paycheck. Feel good about ourselves because we grew our revenue. And we knew we accounted for you, client, in our churn. We said, look, we're going to go out and get like 12 more of you in the meantime so that when you get mad at us and drop off, it's really no skin off our back. Pardon the expression, but it happens. So what I'm doing, what I started doing several years ago, and uh, it didn't work too well at other agencies that I worked for because of the business model, just conflicted with the business model. But now that I'm in a little bit of a different position, running my own team, making my own decisions, uh, I can do these things. And essentially, it's being very, very honest with the client and saying, you know what, we're going to take on... We're going to take on this work, but, but we believe that X, Y, and Z need to get done in order to grow your business, and we're not going to charge you for that. We're going to, we're going to charge you for what you believe in paying us for, but then we're going to add on all these other things that we know need to be done to grow your business, and then we're going to evaluate them over about a three to six month time frame, and we're going to say, look, 
Let's just see what worked, okay? Because maybe you were right, maybe we were right, but it doesn't matter. Let's not argue about it. Let's not pontificate about it. Let's practition. Let's get going. Let's do it. Do the work. Drive the results. Keep everybody happy. Then we're all on the same team. And we're looking at your monthly reporting and we're saying, gosh, we're growing this thing. Where is it growing? How is it not growing? And the areas that are not driving growth, we weed out. Okay, so it's pretty simple. It's actually very hard to do, but it's a simple concept. It's just more work. And that's why a lot of agencies don't do it. The second way that agencies will just kind of take the easy sale is by underscoping a project. Now, Everyone's guilty of this. I do it still to this day. But when I underscope a project, I basically know that I may take a loss. And I'm fine with that because if I do a good job on that project, if my team does a good job on that project, the client's gonna come around later and we're gonna be able to have a very honest conversation about, about the fact that we helped them out. We gave them more value than the price that they came back to us with. They will understand that they will feel good about our relationship and they'll be willing to pay kind of the fair equal wage moving forward. So that's been successful. Clients know that. It's not a secret. I lead with that and we go from there. So it's a good thing. But a lot of times clients are skeptical. They don't believe that we are in fact going to do what we said we were going to do. So it's on us to really come through. And uh, I'd say right now we're batting pretty close to a thousand on that. But it's also hard when a client doesn't buy into this strategy because they, what that means is they're saying that they want to grow their business, but they don't really want to grow their business. And I know this seems counterintuitive, but stick with me for a sec while I explain this. I think there's a large segment of business owners out there that believe that they want to grow their business because it sounds like the right thing to do, not because they really want to grow their business. So they basically come in and they think they want to expand or they think they want to add another service offering or you know, they think they want to hire more people or they think they want to spend more money on marketing to acquire more customers. Because if you want to acquire more customers, you have to do most likely all of these things. And unless you're one of the, the lucky few or chosen few where you're able to build such a good product or such a good service and then develop that, that word of mouth that spreads, then you're gonna have to invest money. And even if you don't invest money and you are one of the lucky few, what you're doing is you're investing time. Because the reality is nobody can just say one time, hey, we've got this. We've got this over here, come buy it. Come check it out and have people come. It just does not work that way. The companies that appear to be having this success are really putting in a ton of work on developing content, telling their story. A ton of time and effort going into this so that when they do quote unquote go viral, which is a phrase that I cannot stand, or overnight success or whatever, it looks like 
they just did this one thing and told people the common people came. But that's not true. They've been providing value to their audience. And they had a superior product or service. And they worked hard to get the word out there. So even companies that are saying, oh, we spend zero marketing dollars, they might spend zero marketing dollars, but they spend a ton of marketing time, which equals dollars. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, marketing folks and business owners that I that I have talked to throughout the years that basically what it ends, what it comes down to is they don't really want to grow their business. They don't really want to. They think it sounds good because. They might be able to make a little bit more money and retire early, or they might be able to hire people to do their job and work a little bit less or whatever. And I don't have anything against those things. I mean, in some regards, I'm trying to do some of those things with my business. The only problem is I know what it takes to do it, and it takes a lot of hard work and or money. So when we run into those types of clients, uh, what ends up usually happening is that we give, our, we give it our best shot. We tell them what we believe needs to be done. They don't wanna do it because it costs too much time, too much money, even when we're willing to go above and beyond. And it's fine. So, you know, a lot of times um, we'll catch those clients on the way back around, like when, when they are ready. And they, they're, it's not that they're not good people. It's just that they kinda need a reality check and they need to be told uh, somebody needs to tell them what's up instead of an agency just taking the easy sale like I said earlier in segment one. So as we're rolling along in segment two here, we're talking about a little bit about are you still down and what that means. And um, the easy sale number two that I was talking about earlier in segment one is when an agency will just kind of uh, underscope a project or kind of take a budget uh, initially from a client and then um, basically just do what needs to be done with that budget but then what happens is you you have an unfinished product so then the client needs to pay you more for a finished product and it's really unfair I've been a part of that a lot in the past with other agencies and it's just really unfair to say hey something's gonna cost thirty thousand dollars and all of a sudden thirty you got thirty thousand dollars worth of work but it was nowhere near the amount of work that would have would have taken so this is kind of just like a open hour-ish or whatever so people will probably like come and go and whatever but I thought it'd be a good idea to just kind of like take some time and talk through digital strategy roadmaps and what they are because uh, I kind of realized that we've like we've had this great opportunity to um, work together on a bunch of these new types of projects but it's like we've I think we've done probably five or six of them already in the last like few months, but um, it occurred to me that there's probably a lot of people that just, you know, don't really know exactly what they are, and I don't think we really know what they could be yet, so that's another, like, I want this to be like, I'll, like a little bit of half show and tell from my end, and then like half Q&A, <clears throat> and I think we can, so we're videoing this then as part of trying to like walk our own talk because we tell clients um, to be on like Instagram live and Facebook live and be doing a bunch of stuff. So we're trying to do that ourselves. But um, so I'll just get started and then like whoever else comes in, we can kind of catch them up to speed. So um, my story is that in 2006, I had a full-time job, but I kind of got this itch to start my own website. 
So I started a fantasy football website and kind of taught myself how to uh, build it in like HTML and then like eventually converted it over into WordPress. And the reason I picked fantasy football is because I was obsessed with it. Like I wanted to like I wanted there to be more information out there about fantasy football, and I wanted you know I wanted to share what I thought about it. And so I just started blogging about it. And um, through that experience, like I started to get into okay, this is like there's a lot to this because there's other websites out there that do this. There's those websites sell advertising space, they sell memberships, and I started to think like this could go from a hobby to a career. And so for like the next probably seven years. I, it was like my second full-time job. I would spend like 40 hours a week in addition to my full-time job building up that website, blogging about fantasy football. Eventually it got to a point where there was probably a few hundred people that were paying me anywhere from like $25 to $100 a year to say like, um, ask, be able to ask me questions like about how to win their league and stuff like that. And I was selling advertising space on the site. So I had monetized it a little bit and then it it got into a situation where other websites and, and like actual magazines and stuff would pay me to be a freelance writer for them so it was like kind of a second career so anyway point being it, it became like this digital business that i grew just by myself from just blogging from zero web traffic all the way to probably like when i was selling advertising space on it i mean it probably had I think one, I, I ran into a guy from CBS Sportsline at a fantasy football event in Michigan and I was like, what do I need, what do I need my web traffic to get up to for you to buy advertising on my site? And his answer was somewhere around like a thousand visitors a day or something like that, or a thousand sessions a day before they would like consider it. So that first year I basically just figured out like how to do link partnerships, how to do guest blogging, like how to basically bring traffic into my site by siphoning off of other people's audiences. So sometimes it would be like there was a, a website called The Big Lead and The Big Lead would do just these outrageous sports stories like like if an athlete was dating a celebrity or if they broke up or something like that and they had huge amounts of traffic. So I would just start to write like one story every week that was off the beaten path for me. It would be like, one of them was Antoine Randall, who was a wide receiver for the Redskins at the time, made a comment like uh, that he could, if he wrestled a bear, he would win or something like that. So I wrote like, just because of the big lead, I wrote like a 400, 500 word blog post on that, which I didn't really care about. I wanted like, could Antoine Randall help me win my fantasy football league was what I cared about. but. Um, whenever I would write like a guest blog for the big lead, they would run it. That was what their audience was interested in. There was enough crossover between my audience and their audience to where it made sense for me to do it. And then it would be this huge spike in traffic for my website and I would get, you know, some of them would convert and others would just be introduced to me for the first time and that sort of thing. So, um, kind of... The punchline, I'll get to the punchline later, but that's relevant because what I learned from like, now fast forward to like 2011, I started work for like my first work for an agency, right? So for about the last, I guess, six years, I've been applying some of those best practices back when I was doing my own fantasy football site to 
this it's relevant to these digital strategy roadmaps because I think I built my first digital strategy roadmap for a client about almost exactly six years ago, and I called it a social media playbook. And it was a uh, it was an app, and they wanted to grow their business organically. And at the time, it was and still it is like social media is the, is definitely one of the main ways to do it. And so I think I came up with like this 175-page ridiculous amount of content that was like my thought was if I can basically put together a playbook of all the different posts they should be making, all the different target audiences they should be targeting, all this stuff that like they can do, like I can help them apply the same things that I did. It didn't to me. It just was like it doesn't matter if it's fantasy football or in this case it was like. A food ordering service, like a to-go ordering service for food from like restaurants that didn't have their own like app to or, you know to order online. So I was like, okay, well I can make I can take any business and do the same thing. And so basically that's what I've spent. I mean that's probably in a nutshell what I've spent like the last five or six years trying to perfect is like how can these tactics of taking a website or or any business with a website, which is every business. From like zero web traffic to a thousand unique visitors a day, or whatever that number is that helps them grow their business. So, like, what I kind of think of when I think of digital strategy roadmap is like, if it were my business, how would I do that? So then, is this process of like learning about the business and learning about their target audience, and so that's the punchline. It's like any business can have this playbook or this digital strategy roadmap, as we call it now. Really, what it is is helping their business grow, but it's getting into like all the different things that that I know from experience and that other people have validated for me, like throughout the years. This just become like that's what you have to do in order to do it. And so, what's been eye-opening for me is like there's all these different kinds of clients, right? And some of them are already successful, and it's like they don't need to grow from zero. They don't need to go from nothing to something. They're going from something successful to like how do we. You know, grow our revenue by X percent over the next three quarter, like over the next three months, quarter, two quarters, whatever. So, and then there's like service-based businesses. There's like a lot of healthcare, like software as a service healthcare companies that we all work with. Then, and there's um, you know, like some startups and some direct-to-consumer e-commerce and some like retail products and all sorts of stuff. So, um, it's all about. It, it's all the same process to get the business growth, but because there's different target audiences, that's what makes it interesting. And then there's different business goals. So really, what it, that's the punchline of what a digital strategy roadmap is. So like one of the reasons why I wanted to do this today is like give everybody the opportunity to kind of understand a little bit more about what it is. Uh, and like the practical nature of it for a business like ours is, clients ask, "Do you do SEO? Do you do social media content? What else? Like um, Google Ad? My Google AdWords is suffering or whatever. And can you take a look at it and see what the problem is? And so um, all of those different, all of those different questions are are answered through some kind of this digital strategy roadmap process." And like we don't have to do the whole kit and caboodle for everyone. Like recently, we just Casey just worked on something the last couple of days, which is like a specific. Okay, my Google AdWords, my leads from Google AdWords are down year over year, starting in March. Like what happened in March of 2017? So sometimes we're like given a very specific problem, and that's 
great because we don't, we can just that can be like a very low priced entry to work with that client, get our foot in the door, show show what we can do, and then it can it can lead to other things, or it can just help them solve their problem, and their staff might be happy with it, and everyone's happy we got paid for a small job, and, and that's great. And then there's other times where it's like. The do you do SEO actually means like how do we generate leads for our business? Like nine times out of ten, like that's what they're actually saying. They don't they want to rank for number one on Google for all these different things, but what they really what they really mean is like what does that do for my business? So all the what's interesting is like all the tactics that I that I used to do with like my stupid little fantasy football website. Are still relevant. It's it's just about like who has attention over here that I can go get, and like where is there the crossover. So like Bailey is a good example. She wrote an article for I'm gonna protect client names in this because we've got it on video. So like she wrote an article for a client that's like in the software as a service construction. Their target audience is um, general contractors and subcontractors, and so. She found a publication where there's audience crossover, put together like probably a 1600-word article with some quotes from that particular client, and uh, um, basically just did the PR pitch on her own. Like, hey, we've got this client over here. We've got this article. Would you run it? It was like, yes. Clients thrilled because they know that publication, so that was a win. But then it was also like. Um, a, a real marketing action item that someone can see, and I think that's the other thing about the whole "do you guys do SEO" thing is like what I've learned is um, like the client. Well, it's not just the client; it's like everybody. Like, what is that? What are you actually doing? You know, like what what actually is SEO? So that's where I think like my goal has been to say. SEO is just part of digital strategy. Digital, digital strategy is just growing your business. Really, it's strategy, right? Like, how can you have a strategy without digital? You really can't. So it's like um, that example of Bailey writing the article, reaching out to the publication, getting it published. There's a link back to the website. All that stuff, again, like was relevant back in 2006. That stuff's still relevant. We all know Google. And the algorithm has constantly makes changes to prevent like the spammy way of doing that or the bad way of doing that. But the real good way that would make sense to the user is always going to work. So, um, but I thought it would be cool to like kind of give the overview and then get into um, some examples of stuff because I think there's a lot that you guys might hear me talk about or like wonder maybe why I'm so confident in a meeting or something like that. And um, Really, it's just from doing the actual work over the last several years that um, I've been—I've probably done like I mentioned the 175-page playbook. Like, I've learned that that's just insanely too much for a client to digest. So this is very much um, a two-way street in terms of I think everyone could be better than the last one. Like we've just did four at the end of May that Bailey and Dave helped with, and. Um, they were all great. We got like great feedback from the client, but I think we're all three of us are thinking like, well, yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't need to be 96 pages, and there's probably like there's <laughs> there's we probably could have like just focused on this area over here a little bit more, or just provided more value. Like one example, as you'll kind of like 
I'll show you some stuff, but one example is um, we'll talk a lot about what kinds of content you need to do, but I think we can do a better job of actually just doing the content. Like, why would we not just do the content? Like, instead of saying, here's 57 blog article ideas, we should just write five blogs. And then they're like, you can use these blogs if you want to. So stuff like that. But I want to get anyone else's feedback on this too, because you guys are obviously all in it, you know? Um, hey. We're just talking casually, so we can kind of come in and out, but I've got, so here's a few things that I just kind of want to show you guys um, about some of what this means. So again, now I'm kind of getting into like, what is a digital strategy roadmap? Like that just sounds so, my fear is always that the client is going to think that it's just a disguised sales proposal. I think that's the danger is that like somebody pays us to just get uh, a really fancy like proposal for more work and so it has to, has to have value and that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you guys about it because I think we can so a little bit of education about what we're doing and then again like as much feedback or questions as anyone has about how we can make it better definitely do that so this is like an exercise that I think makes sense for anytime there's a website being designed especially by our team and even like if a client, it's a way for us to get our foot in the door. If a client's already made a decision, like they might, they might love the idea of working with Snapchat, but they might already have like a web designer. You know, that could probably come a lot from like maybe video and animation clients or something. Like, we really want to keep working with you guys, but we already have a web team. What else could you do? Um, so this kind of analysis looks at. Um, in this case, it's like a convention. In, Visitors. Um, in this case, it's like a convention um, visitors bureau that we looked at the competitive intelligence. We call it a competitive intelligence analysis, but it's like looking at competitor web data. And so our process is kind of like we're gonna look, we're gonna we know we obviously know at this point generally what the what the business goals are of a website redesign and what the domain name is. And sometimes it's we have this domain name, but we're adding this to our company, so we want to rebrand it. There's one, a bunch of different intricacies to it, but generally, it's the same process. It's going to be, okay, where are you going to be? What is someone building for you, or what are we building for you? And then, how can we use data to inform the design decisions? And I, the reason I think this is important is because um, design can get very, is very subjective. And it's subjective not only from like client to agency, but it's subjective from like within the agency team and definitely within the client team because the client, like we've all been through where the client haven't, they haven't talked to each other before, during, or after the meeting. And so um, I think the game is typically always designed by committee, whether or not the committee can be even one person sometimes that just keeps changing their mind or talking to other people. Or it can end up being like marketing team, has to check with IT, has to check with business ops, has to run it by the CEO, all that stuff. Like even if it's a single point of contact on the client side, it's still designed by committee. So to me, it's really, my experience is that it's really hard being like, well, this is what I think. This is what our team thinks. This is general web usability best practices. Like to me, those are, they can be people can call BS on all of that. They can be like, "Well, my uh, uncle came over for dinner last night." Like, literally, I had a business owner a few years ago tell me, "Like, 
My best friend came over for dinner and he hated the design. We have to redo it all. And so I'm thinking like, how can we, <laughs> how can we avoid this? Like this sucks. So like data <laughs> and competitive data has been my idea and an answer. And like so far generally it works. It can always get better. But when we use competitive analytics tools, we can, the concept is like, what do people care about? People always compare about what their competitors are doing for whatever reason. I don't really, but my experience is that every business I've ever worked with has been intrigued by what their top five competitors are doing. So we look at how much web traffic do your top five competitors get, how much engagement do they get, which means page views, average visit duration, how long do people spend on your site, and what's the bounce rate. And we try to keep them, if we dive in, like I said, I went from 175 pages to 96 pages, I'm trying to get down to like 25 pages on these things and make them super valuable. So I think one way of doing that is just not putting too much data in these things, but just keeping it high level. So to me, that's enough, that's more than enough to say like, okay, here's the, out of the five that we looked at or the 10 that we looked at or whatever, here's generally the three with the top bounce rates, engagement, and here's the commonalities between them. And so if there's commonalities between them, we can now say like, Here's how we, here's the design elements that we should bring into the main nav or the layout or we try to keep it to like site map, layout, maybe sometimes it's content, like what types of content is on the page, how do they write their copy, anything that can contribute, there's all these different factors that contribute to bouncer. So any of those, and so like this is just an example of like a presentation of some of these and so um, I'll show you guys like where we are now, but this is kind of like where I was before before I started working with all of you guys. And so sometimes we look at mobile, like looking at mobile data obviously is key and how that plays into the bounce rate. Um, but generally, like this is is a win with the client, and it's a way where the digital strategy roadmap kicks off with a bang because it's what they care about. And it also, so I think it applies to like. And this is where I'm interested, obviously like several months from now, I'll wanna come back and talk to Rachel and Bo and any of the other members of the design team so that they can say, yeah, like this, I want it to help you guys, right? Because I want, I want like, if we can gel all of this together and Sarah, I, I want like, when we do this, it should be valuable to the client, but it should also be valuable to the web team so that you don't have to have as many conversations around why you're making certain decisions. And so we can align, you guys be part of the digital strategy roadmap discussion with our team. And then that way, like you guys aren't getting handed something that you then have to decipher later that the client was sold on, right? I think that's probably a, a big area we can win. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this today, and I'm glad you guys are here, is to talk about like that, how we can do that piece better. Um, because, I want it to be valuable. I don't want it to be a disguised sales proposal for all the stuff that they should do. It's going to be that anyway, because they already know like that's part of what they signed up for at that point. That's the marketing side. But on the design and development side, it, can, it should be like the super valuable tool. Like it should build the site map, basically. It should build the wireframe, basically. It should cut down on the amount of work that you guys have to do. And then that way you can spend more time doing you know, doing the design and the development and provide more value there. Like this should set the stage for like over delivering on the value.
So any kind of feedback like today or at any, this actually this is kind of like just a kickoff to let you guys know that like this is what we want to do. And so anytime you ever want to have any discussion about this, I'm definitely up for it. Um, and then the other side to it is, so I guess like last point on that. So you're still, the client's still going to say like, why did you do this? But then at least we would have, we'll kind of all been in sync and you can point back. Well, remember the roadmap said like that, the, that these three sites, when these three sites had these navigation elements worded this way, it had like a 15% bounce rate instead of like a 55% bounce rate. Let's just take a look at what you guys are doing. You guys want, now you want to put this back up here, the way that these other sites had the 55% bounce rate. And you can just say like, I mean, ultimately the client's gonna make the decision, but if we have this to point back to, I think we have more of a chance. Then we all get evaluated later on how well it did, right? Like we all, we all built it, but then we all get evaluated on like, well, why isn't my site getting more traffic? Why is the engagement still the same or whatever? So I think it just gives it more of a chance and ultimately it's the client's decision. But then on the other side is like the marketing side. So um, this is like one, this is old, but I think it's relevant. So like we would do a different version of this for our projects, but I think it's important to look at what is, how are we gonna measure success? So in other words, like instead of saying, leading off of like, we're gonna do, we're gonna we're gonna do this keyword analysis. We're gonna have, we're gonna focus on all these keywords because they get the most data. And we're gonna do this type of content strategy because we think it makes sense for your target audience. I think it actually makes sense to reverse engineer that and say, what are you actually trying to accomplish? So in this case, it was like this was a consumer brand that that does not sell direct to consumer. They sell ice cream at a retail location and at like live events. And so it was, I think this is a good example because it's like, how do you track, how do you track that in Google Analytics, right? But we always need to get creative, even if it's around what a user does in a web session that would imply them, that, they're, that would imply that they're potentially going to do something in real life. So like with this particular brand, it was, they wanted to, their goals are over here on the left. We want to increase brand awareness. We want to increase ice cream sales and increase strategic partnerships. So those came from them, longer, more verbose versions of that. We just kind of condensed it into there. And then in the middle is uh, generally how we're going to measure it. So on the brand awareness side, this could always be the same for everyone, but like qualified web traffic, qualified social media following, email marketing opt-ins, and live event activation is a little bit more gray, but. Um, those top three, like we know, okay, we can set up Google Analytics engagement goals, Google Analytics destination URLs, and, and tag manager event, trigger events and everything to, to have real data to say like you were here, now you're here. And so that's important. And then on the sales side, um, redemptions, like in-store redemptions from coupons that they would get digitally was a concept, so we can always track stuff like that. Anyway, then... I think we can look at back to the competitive analysis. We can see now where are all your where are all your competition getting their web traffic from? Where's their growth coming from? How much are they spending on various keywords? Um, go through what what their content strategy is, and now we can make it line up. If we were to lay out something similar for you, would it achieve your? What would we need to do to achieve your goals? Now we know how we're going to track it also. So that sets us up for ongoing digital marketing. So the digital strategy roadmap to me is like twofold. It's let's
kill the web design, like let's slay that. And then let's also put our school where we can be their ongoing digital marketing team and extension of their team. Because we're gonna track the success based on what's working, then we're gonna we're gonna continue to do what's working. So that's kind of like a long like a quick version of all of what's in these roadmaps, but um I wanna give you guys an idea of like actually what they are too, so like what they could be. So they can be pers they can be personas built out around data from Google Analytics. So Google Analytics demographics and interest reports will tell the story around who your web visitors are. And so they'll get into um, age and gender breakdown, they'll get into um, so you can you can see like traffic by age range, traffic and engagement by age range and gender. They get into affinity categories, so these are things like news junkies, avid readers, people who read entertainment and celebrity news. So this can be used for understanding who's on, this This is who's on your website. This, so we don't have to guess at who your web audience is. We can, and then we can build out personas around these things. So we can say like, now we have some kind of data point that tells us that maybe, like a good one, a, a really low hanging fruit is always like real estate. So like whenever we see real estate on here, we can say, okay, well, these, these now would be users that would be looking at um, websites like uh, Trulia and um, what's another one, Zillow, right? So like we can look at the UI and the UX of those types of sites and we can apply that across any vertical. So that's just one of the things that these could be. I think right now we don't have this layer in here, but um, we build them out into things like this where they end up being, um, there's no, over here. So they end up being like this, where it's, um, so this is kind of the data recap from this one particular client. So females made up 71% of their web audience. Um, and then out of that, females 18 to 24 were the highest group. So what we did was one of the personas, we came up with three personas on the Millennial female, right? So we said, here's why we did it. That was why we did a millennial female persona. We get into who this millennial female is. So we get we give general data around who that target audience is based on um, kind of statistics that are available to everyone. And then we do our own research based on the Google Analytics data where we go and like basically digitally stalk people on Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, and we and so we it's basically like the quant the qualitative data with the quantitative, quantitative then qualitative builds these. And so then we say like, here's the path, based on who this person is that represents your target, this target persona, here's what she finds on social media, how to, how to acquire her, here's what, she, here's what she's exposed to, here's essentially a version of how we can do that for your brand. And so kind of, and then we, that being part of the roadmap, now this is like an actual campaign idea that can so we can get this granular with the roadmap. This budget happened to be a lot higher than a lot of our standard visual strategy roadmap budgets. Um, I think what we've, I'll show you guys kind of like what we've done and I want to open it up for Q&A and like suggestions and stuff like that on how we can make this better, but we've put it into our Ecos template with the help of several people. Uh, I don't think this is the one. So this is a good example. And 
Hope, feel free to chime in on this because you were part of it. Hope's been awesome at like helping us um, educate the perspective, like, perspective clients, current clients, um, kind of tell the story of what this is and how it helps. So it'll be interesting to get your perspective too on how that's gone and how we can do it better and stuff like that. But like this was one where you had an existing relationship, you kind of knew generally what the focus area would be. Yeah. So this was really like, we've been set up for success with these because in this example and several others, like the, um, the person from the biz dev team has kind of been able to hone in on like where a specific problem lies that we can focus so that it doesn't become just this huge amount of information that's hard to digest. So we broke, we've got this framework for it. We're, we're still doing the so competitive intelligence analysis, Google analytics analysis. We're gonna look at SEO and then we're gonna make marketing recommendations and we've come up with this concept that there's going to be x amount of key takeaways that are recapped at the end and the key takeaways in my mind are cool because they are recapped at the end and the key takeaways in my mind are cool because they are usually like half stuff that the client can do and we can they're like diy we can show you how to do it or we, what sometimes it's like i mean sometimes it can take us less than an hour to do half of them and then they're super happy because the money they just spent has already kind of paid off in, in like immediate um, takeaways that we can work on so it's a lot of the same type of stuff i just showed you is just um a little bit more uh well organized into the ecos template which i think is great um but we're looking at competitive analysis and we're saying like okay what does this mean exactly for you I'm trying to relate relate it back to how it helps their business um this is a little bit of how com like the competitive web traffic where the um so this particular example is a competitor that has a lot uh, of their marketing mix on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So those types of things would then inform um, if they have a low bounce rate, for example, but high traffic from those types of sites, we would then, for example, say, all right, that's an indicator of success. Let's go see what they're doing on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn, and uh, make some recommendations from there. Um, SEM, so we look at keyword. One, like, I'm trying to go like challenge and solution we come to the table with is there's any number of different keywords that you could optimize your site for. You can get so lost in that. So we can use data to say, like, did you know that this keyword actually doesn't get any search volume? Like, you think it's valuable to your business. We understand that, yes, someone could search for it tomorrow. You could convert them. You need to be there. But if it's coming down to where should you actually spend your time being, then we want to look at what gets the most volume that's most relevant to your business. Stuff. Hey, so there's that. Um, one thing that I think is interesting that like I'm happy to be able to talk to you guys about because it's somewhat new, like it's somewhat like maybe a little over a year old for me. I'm definitely like late to the game, but users' attention are more on social media now uh, than ever. And that's, I'm, again, I'm late in saying that, but point is Google AdWords is still effective, but it's become overpriced compared to, to paid social. So whether or not you guys spend time on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn as just users, um, you may or may not notice, but like the advertising that you're getting on those platforms is extremely relevant to you. 
like I get ads on Instagram specifically for like ways that an agency can optimize their back-end way of doing SEO. <laughs> you know, like the stuff that I'm talking to you guys about today, like that's what I get ads for services that can help me do what I'm doing today. It's and, and the reason why is because what I showed you about demographics and interest reports, the reason why is because you can go in and build audiences in in the in Facebook Business Manager that are audiences for, for uh, Instagram too. Um, so I guess I want to stay on that. Actually, I want to show you guys this other one. I'm not going to mention client names, but uh, ah, I don't have it pulled up. So, But there's one with anesthesiologists, okay? It's not this one, but... To me, the most powerful thing is I was in a meeting with this particular particular client, yeah, and they uh, their CEO was. And this was before the roadmap, right? We were trying to sell them the roadmap. That's like, we we're trying to sell them the roadmap, and so I think they were like on board, but um, kind of needed something to push them over the edge, right? And so he was like, "Yeah, I just don't know." where if our audience is really on Facebook or whatever. So I'm in Facebook Business Manager and I just type in anesthesiologist and turn my screen around to him and it's like 800,000 anesthesiologists in this geographic area and then like the uh, practice, um, the other target audience was like, you know, physician practices or hospital or like particular administrators at hospitals, like the actual job titles. So, I think as a user, like think about when you fill out your Facebook profile, it asks you for your job title, it asks you for where you've worked in the past, it asks you for everything about yourself, and there's however many billion users on Facebook across the world, so now you can get information about everyone, you can geo-target around specific areas, and it's lower cost than Google AdWords, and it's relevant to where they are in their news feed with the exact type of content. <laughs> I think they were like on board, but um, kind of needed something to push them over the edge, right? And so he was like, yeah, I just don't know where, if our audience is really on Facebook or whatever. So I'm in the Facebook business manager and I just type in anesthesiologist and turn my screen around to him. And it's like 800,000 anesthesiologists in this geographic area. And then like the uh, practice, um, the other target audience was like, you know, physician practices or hospital or like particular administrators at hospitals, like the actual job titles. So I think as a user, like think about when you fill out your Facebook profile, it asks you for your job title, it asks you for where you've worked in the past, it asks you for everything about yourself. And there's however many billion users on Facebook across the world. So now you can get information about everyone, you can geo-target around specific areas, and it's lower cost than Google AdWords, and it's relevant to where they are in their news feed with the exact type of content that they're already looking at. So I think a lot of users don't even really, savvy users know that they're ads, but, they, but they're okay with it because it's actually what, it's, if you're doing it well as an advertiser, if the content is right, then it looks like what's above and below it on the newsfeed, and so it's not annoying. So that's part of it. The other part of it is doing the content right, which is really hard. <laughs> so then it might be, well, why, like, how do you do that? And that's like, you have, I mean, that's tough. But that's where we can all, again, that's another area we can all work together because we've got video, animation, like 
that could be a whole other thing that we haven't even tapped into yet. What Bailey and I have been working on a lot is, um, you know, the blogging and the written side of it, and then every once in a while putting together an image for it that makes it a little bit more engaging and things like that. But I think like with this team, I mean, there's no reason why that can't be super low hanging fruit to do 15 second video. Like it's different video, I think, than what, what Snapchat's done in the past, but it's like, this could be like 15 second video. Like Vine and, and Snapchat style stuff that we deploy to Facebook and Instagram. And it becomes content that is relevant to the target audience that gets deployed for like three cents per impression basically on Facebook. I mean, it's, and then, so it's different metrics. Google AdWords, you're gonna pay for the click. Facebook, you're gonna pay for the impression. But um, it's all, there's all the data is there to tell what, to tell the client whether or not it's working. And I think that's the key. That's maybe my last point on this whole thing is we don't wanna be advocates for any one particular marketing channel. We just wanna be advocates for the client's success. And the way that we do that is just by saying, we're gonna use data to try to figure out what the right thing is to do to start with. And then that's gonna change every month because then we're gonna have actual results and data from those actions that we can refine and have a different kind of roadmap moving forward each month. And so that's, uh, that's why I think it's important to be on Facebook, Instagram, Google AdWords, Google AdWords Express, LinkedIn, um, not every client has to be everywhere, but I think it makes sense to uh, to have a mix to start and then kind of refine it from there. All right, so I'm going to shut up. We'll do Q and A now. So actually, to that last point, uh, something that we've been working on a couple of different clients together is using that mentors approach to actually go back and give like business related goals. So we, we had a client who reached out and said, we need to set our marketing goals for the year. And we pulled their analytics, we looked at what was their bounce rate, how many sessions. Thanks for listening. You just listened to a digital strategy talk at Snapshot Interactive, where I spoke to the company about our digital strategy roadmap and SEO, SEM, social media and content and Google Analytics services.